Thank you for listening to this week's message from Gateway City Church. For more information about Gateway City, check us out online at gatewaycitychurch.co. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm glad to see you guys here at Gateway City Church. As you heard Thomas mention, my name is Will and my wife and I, Suzanne, uh, I call her Foxy Lady because you just call it like you see it. Uh, but we have the privilege of pastoring this church, and, and it's the privilege of our life to do so. And we're so glad that you guys are here. Hope you've had a great week this past week. I hope everybody enjoyed the 4th of July. Did everybody have a good 4th? Did you have a good 4th? We, uh, we had a great time on the 4th of July. We actually got together with some of our, our small groups, and we actually celebrated the 4th on the 3rd at at, at Adams County Fairgrounds, there was a fireworks show on the 3rd for the 4th, and so we celebrated a day early because we're just that excited about America, and, um, and we, we had a great time. A lot of fireworks uh, on the way out, trying to leave was a nightmare, but it had nothing to do with the traffic for us. It was because we were trying to get out, and, and, and we, saw, uh, we saw that we could cut through a field in the parking lot, and, and as we went across that field, we were, we were in our really super cool minivan. My wife was driving, and she ran into a puddle of mud, and, and it's not four-wheel drive. It's not all-wheel drive, and so, like, we got stuck trying to leave, and so I got to do my best redneck. I got, man, I got to bring all the redneck that's inside of me out. And I literally, I didn't want to, now this isn't very redneck of me, but I didn't want to get my shoes muddy. Uh, And so I opened the door, and I didn't want to get out into the water. So I literally got out, crawled over the hood of the car, of the van, got back in on the driver's side, and it was just a steady dose of reverse drive, reverse drive. And I got, and listen, there was, I felt like I was back in my hometown of Saluda which is a redneck town anyway. And I had one guy in an in a F-250 going, I got straps if you need them. And, and then I got a guy on the other side, just floor it, just floor it. And, and so I reverse and drive, reverse and drive. I finally got out, and I kid you not, as I'm rolling out of the parking lot, the guy that's yelling me, just floor it. I go, don't knock the minivan. You know what I mean? And so it's, um, that was, whew, that was our 4th of July. None of you, had that much fun, I promise you. Got to, I got fireworks. I got to hang out with friends. I got to go mud bogging in a minivan. Come on, come on. But I hope you did. I hope you had a great fourth. Uh, we've enjoyed. We've enjoyed just. We've enjoyed the whole the whole past week of just um, of, in, of having friends in town. And uh, I, I was introduced to something brand new last night. I, uh, our friends in town. Uh, they they actually. He, uh, he, his, his name is, his name is uh, Robbie right here, and he asked me, he asked me yesterday, have you ever heard, have you ever had, have you ever had tachos? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said, well, basically what it is, it's nachos without the chips. Instead, it's tater tots. <sighs> if you haven't had it, you need to meet Robbie, and he can tell you how to make it. It is the gift that keeps on giving I enjoyed it, and so listen, listen, the 4th of July, fireworks, friends, mud bogging, and some tachos. I'm talking like all the nacho covering over tater tots. That is Jesus, if you don't know. I'm just telling you. It's Jesus. Man, I love it. I love it. But, uh, but anyway, so if your week, has, listen, if your week hasn't been that eventful, hold on, a new one is starting, and maybe, just maybe, you'll have all the fun that I had this past week. 
But, uh, but today, I'm glad you're here today, we're, we're in the, uh, the second week of a series we're calling Arrows, and we're talking about how we can live towards the target that God has set for us to live and to aim towards. And we're doing that by taking a look into, uh, one, into the, really the most, the most noted, the most famous, the most quoted uh, sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's kind of like his greatest hits album, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And specifically what we're looking at in Matthew chapter 5 are what we call the, the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, is, it's, really, it's, it's derived from a Latin word called beatus that simply means blessed. It just means blessed. And the word blessed, it just simply means divine joy and perfect happiness. And what I love about Jesus so much is that Jesus knows his crowd. Jesus knows his crowd, and in, the, and in Jesus' day, the word blessed, it was not a word that was used to describe the life a human could live. Whenever people talked about the word blessed, it was used to describe the life of what, you, like, uh, like the gods in Greek mythology. It, or maybe it might even be used to describe the experience that someone would have in the afterlife after they had died. Divine, divine joy and perfect happiness, just bliss. It was not a word that was used to describe the lives that, that, that humans could enjoy. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you, if you put your trust in God, if you follow me, this is the life that you can live. It's a life that implies that you can have complete satisfaction, complete fulfillment, complete joy outside of any circumstance that may come your way. And I'm here to tell you today that if you place your faith in Jesus, this is the life that God has for you. This is the, a life of complete satisfaction, a life of complete fulfillment, a life of purpose, a life of hope, regardless of what everything around you looks like. And we'll take a look at it in Matthew chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, I ask you to join me there. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. And we're going to take a look at, at this life that Jesus says that we can have, this life that's this blessed. Matthew chapter 8. I mean, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 8. This is what Jesus says, beginning in verse 3. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We preached on Matthew chapter 3. Chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you weren't here last week, you can go online, check out the podcast, check out that message. Uh, and in verse 7, it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And in verse 8, this is the verse that we're going to, to look at today. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Would you guys pray, for, pray with me real quick, and let's ask God to just to bless the reading of his word and help us to get something out of his word today that can help us this week. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We pray now as we look into your word, we pray that it becomes more than words on a page, but we pray that it becomes the guide that we use to navigate life so that we can live towards the target that you've set for us, the life that you've intended for us. We thank you again for the opportunity to be here. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. How many people in here have ever been, has, has anybody ever been robbed? 
You ever been robbed? Raise your hand. I, I, like, oh, wow, lots of people. Maybe, maybe, you, had, maybe you had your car or your, or your house broken into. Anybody? Um, yeah, there you go. I've, um, I've never been robbed like, in person, but I have, I, like, we've had, I've had my truck broken into. My wife and I, Suzanne, our whole family, we were at a football game in South Carolina. My truck got broken into, busted the window. Um, my wife had hid her purse underneath the back seat. It was a Michael Kors purse, and they took that. And inside of that was her wallet, and we had just registered the kids for school. And so it had, like, Social Security cards for all three of our kids in there. And, and so, I mean, I went on the offensive, man. I went to, man, I, I did the LifeLock thing for, for, for six months to make sure nobody was taking my kids' identity or, or making sure that nobody was claiming them on their taxes before I had a chance to do it. Uh, you know, listen, that's, that's my three little deductions right there. I got to have them. I don't need you claiming them before I can have a chance to. Uh, I've also, now listen, I've never had my house broken into, but whenever Suzanne and I first got married, we lived in a little house in, in the middle of nowhere in, in the country, and right across the road from our house was, 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 the, was the convenience store. It was, it was called the Country Mile. And, and, uh, and, it's where, and, and listen, it's where all the old men gathered every single morning, all the old men and me, we gathered there every single morning to, to drink coffee, to eat biscuits, and, and they would talk about the news in the newspaper before the newspaper had even been published. It just blew my mind how all the old men in the community knew everything that was going on before the newspaper did. But we would gather there, and that, that convenience store, it seemed to always get robbed on a regular basis, mostly because it was in the middle of nowhere. And I felt it was my job living across the street. I felt like it was my job to be the protector of the store. I was, I was the protector of the country mile. And any time, and, and, and it had a loud alarm that would go off in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, the alarm would go off, and I would jump up out of bed, and I would take off across the road to the store with my T-shirt on, my boxer shorts, my steel-toed work boots, and a 12-gauge shotgun. I, I'm telling you, I, listen, I was a walking weapon. I was a Chuck Norris meme just waiting to happen. And I was going to go there. I don't care if it was eight of them. I was going to take them on single-handedly because I was going to protect the country mile. I was going to protect. And listen, and my house was just across the street, so I felt like it was my job. And the, never, it never failed. The cops would always show up. And, I'd, and they'd always show up, lights blazing in the, in the sirens and everything. And I would come walking around, and they like, who's there? Who's there? Like, it's, it's just me. It's just Will, protector of the country mile. Put your, put, your, put your weapons down. And like, oh, Will, like, man, would you stop coming over here? You're not going to do anything. But, but, it's, it's, it's just, it, but listen, that, that's, that's just in me. I think it's in a lot of just men. It's our job to protect. Like, it's our job to protect, uh, protect our families physically. And, and, and it's, our, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just, and listen, you don't let, man, you let me hear a noise in my house in the middle of the night. I am up with eight different weapons, and I'm going to take somebody. Remove yourself from my house, or I will remove you from the world. That's kind of my philosophy. When it, I'm just going to, I'm going to protect my house. I'm going to protect my wife. I'm going to protect my kids. I've got, I, I am in charge of their physical well-being. And I feel like a lot of us, we feel that same way. But do you know what I think is really, really odd is that like in, in, our, in culture today, we're applauded for that. We're applauded for protecting ourselves physically. We're, protecting for, we're, we're, we're applauded for protecting our loved ones and our friends and our families from, from a physical standpoint. But very often, whenever it comes to 
fighting for their hearts and protecting morals and protecting values very often we're labeled as we can be often labeled as, as just intolerant and we can and we can we can be labeled as as someone who's just insensitive and, and, and we're, we're the, all of a sudden, we're, we're trying, we can protect them physically. We can, man, we can put on the helmet and the elbow pads and the knee pads, and all they're doing is going to check the mail. We're applauded for that. But the moment we try to protect their hearts and their morals and their values and their innocence and their trust, whenever we try to guard ourselves against those things, we try to protect those things within us, very often we're viewed as, as intolerant. But, but Jesus actually has very clear instructions for us in regard, to, in regard to, to, to how we're supposed to protect our hearts. We just read it in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to come back to the second part of that verse at the end of the message. But let's just start, let's just start there. Blessed are the pure in heart. The word heart in, 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 the word in, in Greek is, is the word cardio, is the word cardio. And Jesus is using this word as a metaphor. He's using it. He's not talking about blessed are those who have a pure, full-size aortic pump that pushes blood through your veins. That's not what he's saying. He's, he's saying blessed. He's, he's using the word heart to, to describe our emotions and our feelings and our, and our inner self because that's the seat of the emotions. Whenever you love someone, you love them with all your, there you go, you love them with all your heart. And very often we use that word heart to describe other people's character. You know, she's got a good heart, or he's got a good heart. You know, uh, young girls, you're dating that guy who's not a Christian, or he doesn't even come close to having the values and the morals that you have, but you want to justify going out with him because he's cute, but he, he has a good heart. He's unemployed and he lives in a van down by the river and he passes out candy to little kids in the park, but he's got a good heart. It's a common phrase. We say it all the time. You know, oh, bless their heart. They've got a good heart. I love them with all their heart. I love them with all my heart. They've got a good heart. But did you really know that even though that's a common phrase, did you know that it's really not even accurate? It's not an accurate description of any of us? If you're taking notes, this is something to think about. Without Jesus... A good heart does not exist. Without Jesus, a good heart does not exist. It cannot exist. Take a look in Scripture. And Scripture tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, I search all hearts and I examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. God is saying, I, the Lord, I search your heart and I examine your mind. I examine your mind. And as I do that, what, I, what God knows is that our hearts are the most deceitful things above everything else. And in, in the, the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 4, verses 18 and 19, he says, Their minds are full of darkness. And they wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Verse 19, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Paul is actually saying something really, really profound 
to the believers in, in this church in the city of Ephesus. It's where we get the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote a letter to a church in the city of Ephesus. It's where we get the book of Ephesians. Paul is saying, he said, listen, to those who have, who have drifted away from your faith, to those who, who, do not, who, do not, who do not place their trust in God, the reason they don't place their trust in God is because they're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life that God wants them to have because, because, of, because of the hardening of their hearts, because of the impurity that they've allowed into their hearts. It's clouded, it's clouded everything else that they see. And they cannot see God for who he is. They cannot see themselves for who God has created them to be. And they cannot see the life that God has called them to live because of the impurity that's been allowed inside of their heart. And they don't even realize because their hearts have grown hard to the things that matter most. They don't even recognize the fact that they've allowed impurity into their, into their hearts so much so that it's clouded everything they see. How many people love you? Anybody love going to the movies? I absolutely love the movies. I love the movies. I go all the time. And have, has anybody ever, like you walk into a movie theater and it's dark and you're, you know, and you're, you're having to like really be careful where you, you know, where you step and where you walk and you're, you're walking through the aisle and you've got your popcorn and you've got your candy in your pocketbook that you smuggled into the movie theater. Like you're, you're, you're laughing because you've done it. And I, moment of confession, whenever Suzanne and I were in college, we used to go to Wendy's and we would, smug, we would smuggle in full meals from Wendy's in a big old pocketbook. And I would have me a Baconator with a large fry and a Coke, all in some big pocketbook that Suzanne had. You know, I'm sorry to the Regal back in Greenville, South Carolina. I apologize. But listen, like, we'll stop charging $87 for popcorn and drinks. And I might buy it there. That's another sermon for another day. But anyway, but you know, but you're walking in with everything that you smuggled in and you're tripping up like, be careful, don't spill the popcorn, don't drop the candy. But, but, like, but what happens after you find your seat and you're in there for several minutes? Have you noticed how the darkness seems to go away? Because your eyes have adjusted to the darkness? Could it be that, could it be in our lives and in our families could it be the reason that we're not living the lives that God has called us to live? Could it be the reason we don't see God for, for who he truly is? Could it be the reason we don't see ourselves the way God wants us to see? Could it be the, we're the reason we're not living the life that Jesus says we can live is because we've allowed a little bit of impurity, we've allowed a little bit of darkness into our hearts so much so that we've become accustomed to it, and now we can't even recognize God, we can't recognize the things of God. It's because we've grown accustomed to the darkness. Our eyes have adjusted to the darkness. Ephesians 4, chapter 19, it says that, says that whenever we do this, Paul says that we have no sense of shame. Whenever we allow our hearts to be, to be, to be kind of infiltrated with some impurity and with some darkness, it says that we have no sense of shame, and it says we, we live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now listen, I know you want to protect yourself. I know you want to protect your family. I know you want to protect your friends. Nobody in here, if, you, if you're a parent, nobody in here would go tell your kids to go play in the street. Nobody would. No, nobody would tell your friend to go embezzle money from their company. No, we, man, we, we're not going to do that. Man, that's, we're not, we're not going to do that. Man, that, man that, that's impure. That's wrong. But yet, but yet, why is it that we, we won't do that, but yet we have no problem 
giving a mobile device to a 14-year-old little boy that gives him access to anything and everything he wants, things that he would see that we never would want him to see, and we call that normal. And for the people that don't do it, just catch up with the time. Why is it that we will take our hard-earned money and rather than and give it back to God and invest in the church that we say is making such a difference in our lives, rather than doing that, we actually use it to spend money to entertain ourselves on things that have no lasting value, no eternal value, and actually break the heart of God many times. We call that normal. Why is it that we do those things? Personally, I think one of the ways that we actually can overcome that is, I just think, and just bear with me, I just think we need to stop being Christians. I think we just need to stop being Christians. And instead of just being a Christian, what if we would actually embrace a life that is Christ-centered? Could, could we please just stop putting Jesus first? And then prioritizing a list of everything that follows. Well, this is second, this is third, this is fourth. Instead of doing that, can we just put Jesus at the center of who we are and then let everything else that we do flow out of who he is? Can we do that instead? David, David writes in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 10, how can a young person stay pure? If you are a young person in here or you are a, or your parent, of a, this is an incredible question to ask. How in the world can I live a life of purity in a world that is full of temptations. How in the world can I do this? How can I? The world would say, well, just follow your heart. You've got a good heart. Follow your heart. Can I just be honest? That is the stupidest advice you can give anybody. It's ridiculous. Like, like, listen, do not follow your heart. You know how many marriages have followed their heart right out of marriage and into adultery? Because, because, because their heart said he's hot. Because the heart said she smells great. If I followed my heart on the way to church this morning, my heart was telling me to flip that guy off in traffic and cuss him out. Do not follow your heart. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful above everything. So if we lean into our heart, our own heart, it will lead us astray. So how do we stay pure? David goes on to write. He says, he says, you stay pure by obeying your word. We stay pure by obeying God's word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. You cannot build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You can't do it. If you want to live and possess a righteous life later, you have got to sow righteous seeds into the ground that you're walking on today. You have to. You have to. I want to give you three things, three ways that we can live a life that fights for a heart that's pure. I could give you a lot more, but we're just going to go with three. Going to go with three. The first one, the first way that we can, we can fight for a pure heart in, in, is one, first let's just focus on ourselves before we focus on everybody else. And all of their problems, can we just deal with us? Can we just deal with me? And the first way that we fight for a pure heart is one, is just get your heart right. Get your heart right before you deal with the hearts of everybody else. Get your heart right. I don't care if you're 18 or you're 88, we all 
we all lead the way in what we allow into our hearts. We all lead the way and we all set the tone for what we allow our hearts to take in. Nobody else has the right to put anything into your heart that you don't, that, that, that you don't allow. You have to fight for it. The Bible says, Proverbs, uh, it says in, four, in verses four, verse, chapter 4, verse 23, it says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. Whenever you look at how you behave, whenever you look at what you allow into your families, whenever you take a look at what you want to be influenced by, whenever you, what do you want to read, what do you want to watch, what do you want to be entertained by, you have the choice as to what you allow into your heart. You have the choice as to what you allow into your life, what you allow into your family, what you allow into your home. And so if you... If you want to fight for purity, if you want to fight for a pure heart, one that isn't clouded, one that isn't corrupt, you have to guard your heart against the things that we allow into our heart. you got to fight for it. You have to fight for it. God, if, if there is anything in my life that is impure, please convict me. If I'm having conversations that are impure in nature, please convict me. If I'm allowing friends into my life and they do a better job of pulling me down than I do of pulling them up, please convict me. And in the church, we run from that word convict all the time because we feel like if the God is convict, if the Holy Spirit is convicting us, it makes it feel like we're being condemned. But can I tell you, that's not, that's, that's not true at all. Do you know what the word convict actually means? The word convict simply means to show you a better way. So if you are ever feeling convicted about something or someone or or some situation in your life, and you feel convicted over that, that's literally, listen, the Holy Spirit is not trying to condemn you or make you feel bad. The Holy Spirit is trying to tell you there's a better way to live. There's a better way. So lean into the conviction of the Holy Spirit because all he's trying to do is show you a better way to live, a better way to parent, a better way to be a friend, a better way to lead. But you are responsible for what you allow into your heart. And then whenever you get your heart right, because we have to start with ourselves, the second way that we can fight for purity is, is to speak to the heart. Speak to the heart. We have to speak to the heart. Whenever you're interacting with people, whenever you're building friendships, whenever you're parenting your children, whenever you're raising up godly families, you have to speak to the heart. See, most of us, we, we, speak, to, we speak to actions. We speak to behavior. We, 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 want, we, want to, we want to see, we speak into what someone is doing or not doing so that we can then in turn see the action that we would prefer to see. But we fail to speak to the heart behind the action. You have to speak to the heart. In, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet Samuel, he was charged by God to, to go and find another uh, an Israel, a new king, to anoint a new king. And as, and as Samuel was going out looking for a new king, he was looking at, he was looking at all the physical attributes. He was looking, at, he was looking for the individuals that, that looked the part. And then in 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord spoke to Samuel and he said, Do not judge by his, by his appearance or height. 
for how I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see, and people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And whenever you take a look at what Jesus said about the heart, Jesus was a fanatic about our hearts. The Old Testament says, do not commit murder, but Jesus took it a step further, speaking into the heart. He says, yes, I don't want you to murder anyone, but above that, don't even hate. Because it's the hate that you have in your heart that leads you to the murder. And if you have hate in your heart, you've already committed murder in your heart. The Old Testament says, don't don't, don't commit adultery. But Jesus takes it a step further, speaking to the heart. And he says, I tell you this, don't even look at a woman lustfully. Because if you do, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus speaks to the heart. It's because the heart matters. And here's the deal. The heart matters. And listen, we've all dealt with this. We've all dealt with this. If you're parents and you got kids, I know you've dealt with this. One kid does something to another kid and you tell that kid to go apologize. And so your kid says, fine, I'll apologize. And they stomp over there to their brother or their sister. And I said, I'm so sorry that you got your feelings hurt, you, you baby. I'm speaking from experience here. But, now listen, we got the action that we wanted to get. They did what we asked them to do. But was was their heart right? No, 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 you can't go to that party. Well, fine, Mom, I hate you. Slam the door. You got the action that you wanted, but, but, but is the heart right? You see, we can never stop speaking to the heart. Parents, you can never stop loving your children towards a right heart. You have to fight. You have to fight to, 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 to show people and to teach people, to teach your kids the why behind the what. You have to teach them why are we, why can't, why do I have to apologize to my sibling? Why is it that I can't go to the party? They may not like it, but we're, we're parenting to the heart. We, speak, we, cannot, we cannot settle for outward submission as long as, there's always gonna be, as long as there's always inward rebellion. We have to speak to the heart. And right actions are always the result of a right heart. Their heart's right. Actions will be right. Not always, because we're people and we're imperfect. But if you, you speak to the heart, you speak to the why behind what we do, speak to the heart. And the third way that you can fight for purity in your heart is, and this is difficult, I'll admit this is difficult, is to pursue perfect purity of the heart. Pursue perfect purity. Why do I use the word pursue? Because it isn't going to come to you on its own. You've got to chase after it. And if I'm going to be really honest, you cannot do it in and of your own strength. You need the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you into it. And why do I say perfect purity? It's because anything less than perfect purity is not really all that pure. And we have to fight for it. We have to, we have to, we have to pursue it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. So, like, so, so, so pop quiz real quick. So just real quick, just question. So would, 
is, is, is adultery in your marriage, is that a hint of sexual immorality? The answer is yes, by the way. You, you can answer me. Remember, I've said, listen, this needs to be a conversation, not a monologue. Would, what, what, about, what about in your dating life? If you, if you sleep with 50% of the people that you date before you get married, is that a hint of sexual immorality? Yeah. It is. What if you're at the gym and, and some hot girl walks by you and you just start praising God for what he made? Thank God for who you made. Good Lord, thank you for that. Is that a hint of sexual immorality? According to Jesus it is, because Jesus says not even a hint of it. Because we're pursuing perfect purity. Not, 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 not because, not because, but it's because, it's because whenever we allow, whenever we allow anything other than perfect purity into our lives, it, it leads us away. It has the tendency to lead us away from the holy and divine purpose that God has ultimately created you and I to live. We pursue perfect purity. And the question is, how much impurity are you willing to allow into your life and be comfortable with it? There's a, there's a story of a, uh, of, a, of a young boy. He asked, his mo- he asked his mom if he could, he had this movie he wanted to go to, and he asked his mom, can I go to the movie? And, and the movie was only PG-13, but the, but the boy was 12. And his mom said, said no, you can't go. No, I can't, I can't let you go to that movie. And he said, mom, there's not, there's not that much bad stuff in the movie. And the mom said, fine, you can go to the movie. But first, but the movie doesn't start for a while. Let's, let me, let's, let's go inside. I'm going to make you some brownies. And, and, and the little boy's just, he's stoked, he's pumped, gets to go to the movie, and his mom's making him brownies on top of that. But before his mom goes to make brownies, she goes out into the garden and she gets a little bit of manure. And, and she puts it into the brownies as she's making it. She mixes it in. Gets done making the brownies. Son, brownies are ready. Come help, help, help yourself. But before you eat them, I just want you to know that I... I put a little bit of manure from the garden in your brownies. And the boy was like, are you kidding me? That, like, I'm not going to eat that. That's, that's nasty. And she says, oh, but son, there's not that much bad stuff in the brownies. The same as there's not that much bad stuff in, in your movie. Just, it's just how, how, how much impurity are you willing to allow into your heart and be comfortable with? And here's why purity in your heart matters so much. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity and vision are connected. Purity and vision are connected. And whenever you allow impurity into your heart, it clouds your heart, which clouds your vision and clouds your view of God, clouds your view of who God says you are, and clouds your view of what God says you can do. David understood this in Psalm chapter 51, verse 10. He writes this, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. What David understands, he's saying, God, would you clean me up on the inside? Create in me a clean heart. 
Because if my heart isn't clean on the inside, I can't follow you on the outside. You created me a clean heart and it will restore my ability to be loyal to you in what I do and how I think and how I act and how I treat people and how I love you. You clean up what's on the inside. You get rid of the impurity that's in your heart and it will clear up your vision of who God is, who he's called you to be, and what he's called you to do. That's why purity of the heart matters so much because if you allow impurity into your heart, you are missing out on the love of a heavenly father that loves you so much that he sent Jesus, his only son, to die for you. If you allow impurity into your heart, you're missing out on who God has called you to be and what God says about you. When you allow impurity into your heart, you will believe what anyone says about you. But if you fight for purity in your heart, the only one whose voice matters in your life will be the voice of your loving Heavenly Father saying, you are mine, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are a masterpiece. But whenever there's impurity in your heart, it crowds out the voice of God that wants to speak nothing but life and good things over you. Purpose and hope. He wants to give you a life of more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Created me a clean heart. Then a loyal spirit will be restored unto me. And I can follow you. But listen, I, I know, I know, I've been here. But, but Will, man, you you don't know. My my heart, my heart is messed up. I've done some things. I've made some mistakes. Some of the mistakes I've made, you mentioned today. Lean in to the Word of God and listen to what God says about you and what He will do for you if you fight for purity and if you give Him your heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he says, And I will give you a new heart, and I will, I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your old stony heart, old stony stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. Some of us today, our hearts grown hardened, and we've allowed impurity into our hearts that's clouded our vision of who God is, of who we are and what he's called us to do. And you may be pushing back today because of what you've allowed into your heart. But I'm here to tell you today that if you are willing to give your heart over to Jesus, over to God, God will clean up everything that you think disqualifies you. And he will create in you a clean heart. The Bible tells us that whenever we place our faith in Jesus, our old life is gone and a new life begins. He removes the old heart that that did not recognize the things of God. And he will give you a new heart that is sensitive to who he is, sensitive to the life that he's called you to live. And I promise you, you will take a step into a life that goes beyond anything you ever thought you could live. It's not easy though. It's not easy. You have to, you have to get your heart right first. You have to stop allowing the impure things of this world to, to infiltrate your heart and cloud your vision of who God says you are. Then you, gotta, then, then you gotta speak to the heart of those around you. Don't speak to their actions, speak to their heart. And then, and then we have
have to fight for perfect purity because anything less than perfect isn't pure. It's difficult. Which is why God says, give your life to me. I'll carry your burden. I'll make it light. I'll shoulder the weight of everything that you think disqualifies you. And I'll put inside of you a brand new heart. One that's tender, one that's responsive, and one that will lead you into the life that I've ultimately created you to live. A life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of hope. Can I pray for you today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we come to you today. We ask you to help us to have a pure heart. Holy Spirit, clean our hearts of all impurity so that a loyal spirit can be restored to us today. Today, as we pray, some of you may recognize that that your your heart's been hardened to the things of God because you've allowed some impurity into your heart. And And your prayer today is, God, would you just clean just, just give me a new heart. God, would you help me Help me filter out all of the impurity that's clouding my vision of who you are so that I can be the person you've called me to be. If that's you today and, you, and you've just allowed, you, listen, you've given your life to Jesus, but somewhere along the way you've allowed impurity and darkness to creep in so much, so to the point that you haven't even, you haven't even recognized it until this moment. And if that's you today, would you, just, would you just lift your hand and say, listen, I've allowed some impurity into my heart and I need, I need, I need, I need to clean that up. I want to pray for you. Yeah. Yeah. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that just raised their hand today. And I pray right now, Father, that you would just help. God, I pray right now that your spirit would just move upon them. And I pray that your spirit would rest on them. I pray that your spirit would give them strength to remove the things from their life that is keeping them from you keeping them from the life that you've created them to live. And I pray, Father, that as you clean their heart from the inside out, that you would return to them a loyal spirit, enabling them to walk in the path that you've given them to walk. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you realize that you've actually, you've actually never given your heart to Jesus. You, you, you've, you've, got, you've, got a, you've, got a, you've got a stone heart, a stubborn heart, because you've never allowed Jesus to come in and give you a new heart. And if that's you today, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you say, listen, I need Jesus to remove this old heart of mine and give me a new heart, one that's sensitive to him and sensitive to his spirit, and I just want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you and you say, listen, I need to give my life to Jesus for the very first time. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Jesus, I give you my life. You're mine. Give me a new heart. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We're so grateful for who you are. I pray, Father, that you would help us to fight for purity. Help us to guard our heart. God, help us to speak to the heart in our relationships and in our lives and in our families and with our children. And God, help us to fight for perfect purity not allowing anything that's impure into our heart that would cloud our vision of who you are, who you've called us to be, and what you've called us to do. Father, I thank you for everyone here today who recognizes their need for you. 
I thank you for everyone here today who recognizes their need to remove impurity from their life and allow you to clean them up so that they can ultimately live the life that you've called them to live. Father, we love you today. We celebrate you today. And we pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Can we thank God today for restoring a a pure heart, a clean heart in us, and setting setting us into a right path with a new spirit? Amen. Amen. Amen.